Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast, aka your holistic guide to being a wealthy woman. I'm your host, Donnie, and on this show, I talk to the dopest women experts, entrepreneurs, influencers, corporate baddies, and occasional wildcard guests while they share their wisdom from the experiences that brought them to where they are today. So let's upgrade our lives together, but more importantly, let's get wealthy. On this episode, I'm speaking with Gianna, the founder of Meraki Co., which is a probiotic company that specializes in probiotics that specifically support women's vaginal health. Gianna is a biomedical engineer, and she suffered with chronic UTIs, which later led to more severe issues, which we talk about in the interview. But her goal is to destigmatize vaginal health and how you maintain it. She wants to educate more people and make the topic less cringy overall. I'm obsessed with her probiotics. I actually take them, and they are amazing. It has helped to regulate things down there so much. And overall, my whole body is acting better. I used to have fungal acne. It's also known as malassezia, but it looks like heat bumps all over your face when you use certain products. And now, you guys, I can use any product. I used to have to be very careful about the makeup products I use, the skincare I use, and now I can use anything on my face because of her probiotics. So it is healing me in so many different ways, and she breaks down why that is in this episode, but also too, it's going to help for anyone that is struggling with a certain smell down there, or maybe you're struggling with UTIs or any any of those types of issues. She's going to break down what is causing that and what the solution is, and of course, what makes her probiotics so special and what her journey has been like building this company because she went through a whole process of developing these supplements, raising funding for this company. So if you have an interest in doing either of those things, like developing a supplement or developing a product that requires a long drawn out process or getting funding for your company, she shares a lot of insight in this episode. So I think you will enjoy this just as much as I did. So let's get into it. Right before this, I was binging your content as I normally do when I have somebody coming on the show. <laughs> and I came across a video where you were talking about basically your story and you were just kind of like encouraging people and you're like, if you um, see like there's an issue that needs to be solved, like solve it. And you, you started sharing about your story about how you decided to actually launch your business. Yeah. Um, so can you like kind of share some of your story, like the backstory behind how you even got here and why you started making these supplements? Yeah. So, um, I was born and raised in America, but I'm first generation Syrian American. My mom is an immigrant from Syria. So anyone who grew up in an ethnic household knows that growing up, it's like you have to be a lawyer or a doctor something like that. And I never knew what I wanted to be. I always had this really creative side to me. I was very artistic, but my mom um, and my dad were like, you know, there's no money in art. You can't become an artist. And so that kind of left me feeling like, I don't know what I want to do. And I also really loved science. So part of me compensated and said, okay, I'll just be a doctor. But something felt like it was missing when I kept saying I want to be a doctor. And so it wasn't until I was 16, my mom was diagnosed with an aggressive stage of pre-cervical cancer. And we met with a team of biomedical engineers. And when we met with the team of biomedical engineers, they engineered this device that would extract the abnormal cells from her cervix. And it was kind of that aha moment for me where I was like, I love the idea of creating and designing something for like the scientific space. And I was like, oh, this is called biomedical engineering. This is what I want to do. So I found a university that had a biomedical engineering program or a bioengineering program, and that was Lehigh University. So I, I attended and pursued my passion in biomedical engineering. Um, and then my, my sophomore year, while I was studying biomedical engineering, I had my first UTI. And when I had my first UTI, um, I didn't know what it was. I feel like with anyone, you know, the first time you're experiencing some kind of infection or some kind of body ache, anything that you've never experienced before, it's really hard to know what it is. And so I didn't really know what it was. And I was also very, especially growing up in an ethnic household, the, the vagina is stigmatized. We, like we don't talk about it. It's stigmatized. And one of the bigger issues is 
I knew that anytime you talk about vaginal health or something going on in your vagina, that it's immediately going to be associated with sexual activity. And so I was just really afraid of being frowned upon or looked down upon, especially because, I mean, in my case, it had nothing to do with sexual intercourse, but I was just very concerned that, you know, like it, it's going to, there's this stigma surrounding. And I always grew up thinking like you get a UTI, it's from sex. And so I was just really afraid to say anything. Um, so I ignored the burning for about a week. And then I was hospitalized one week later because it spreads my kidneys. And that was kind of the aha moment for me again, where I was like, I can't believe I allowed myself to like ignore this and like it could have been life threatening, you know, I could have had sepsis and could have died. It's, it's scary. And the fact that I was so caught up by this stigma, like really upset me. Um, I took my antibiotics and um, then after that UTI, I kept getting them. I had eight more in six months. I experienced bacterial vaginosis. I kept dealing with the urinary and vaginal infections and it was like a never ending cycle to me. I mean, my UTIs were incredibly painful. So not only was this like a painful experience, but it took a toll on me mentally to continuously have these issues and not being able to solve them and not know what to do. Um, so then they sent me to a specialist, a urologist, and she actually recommended six months of antibiotic therapy. At this point, I was, because I was on so many rounds of antibiotics because I had so many infections, um, I was already resistant to two different kinds of antibiotics. So when the doctor said, you know, you're going to do six more months of antibiotic therapy, because I was a biomedical engineer, I knew that that was a red flag. But I was really frustrated because the average woman wouldn't know that. And someone like my mom, who's not in the scientific space, who is an immigrant, would have just trusted her doctor, as we should. And so I was really upset that that was the suggestion for me. So I started doing what I know best, and that's research. So I went on to PubMed and CBI, started reading scholarly articles and journals from scientists and started learning about the vaginal microbiome. And this is where I learned that all of the antibiotics I was taking was triggering me to be in this never ending cycle because all those antibiotics were actually killing the good bacteria in my vagina along with the bad bacteria. So it was killing the infection, but when it was killing the good bacteria, it was leaving me susceptible for more and more infections. And I learned that this good bacteria, specifically the good bacteria that we have in our vaginas, it produces lactic acid and lactic acid generates an acidic pH, which helps protect your vagina essentially. So that, because pathogenic bacteria can't grow in an acidic pH, it can only grow in a basic pH. Like, so when your pH is abnormal and you don't have this good bacteria, bad bacteria is able to flourish and cause an infection and same with yeast. And so this is why then I was encountering BV and yeast, yeast infections, UTIs. And so I was like, oh my God, the, the key here is good bacteria. And then that left me to be so frustrated. I'm like, the, the science makes so much sense, but yet nobody has told me about it. Nobody suggested probiotics. Nobody told me you need good bacteria. And I started searching for one on the market. I started taking one. It caused a lot of gas and bloating and constipation, like stomach pain. And every single time I recommended probiotics to someone, they said, I can't take them. They hurt my stomach. And so I was like, well, why is this the case? So I started taking the probiotic on the market. I accepted the stomach pain because I never got another UTI after that. So I was like, oh my God, probiotics are the cure. Cure, because I can't say that per the FDA, but it's the solution. But yet I'm still encountering all these stomach problems. Why is that? And I saw that all the ones on the market are made with these very cheap filler fiber ingredients just to label their product as having a prebiotic in it, but they're cheap, they're ineffective in small doses, and they cause gas and bloating in people who are taking them. And so I was like, you know what, there is no gold standard on the market. So I want to be the change. So I founded with Meraki Co. Um, during my time at Lehigh University. And I studied the vaginal microbiome so that I could create the products behind me. So wow, no, that that is such a journey. And I don't think like I, I know hearing it like you, of course, like skim through the process, but like, 
that is a huge journey to go on to like, not only, I mean, of course you had to figure it out for yourself because that, you know, UTIs are not fun to have whatsoever. Like I, I know, <laughs> so, um, but the fact that you were like, okay, no, I'm not just going to settle for being bloated and stuff all the time yeah. just because it this solved one problem, but it created a new one. So exactly. yeah. So that's, a, I'm sure that was a journey that you went on, like trying to figure this out of like, you know, what what's gonna make sure that I'm solving all of these problems right. that I'm having? Yeah, now. yeah. Like we shouldn't have to fix one problem and encounter another, and that's something right. unfortunately that us women have to face all the time. Where it's like yes. we fix one thing, and then there's and I'll get into more when I started doing my research. The just major issue that I found in the lack of studies in the yeah. female reproductive health. And that's mm -hmm. what really amplified my my journey and what pushed me to do better for women. So I'll yeah. about that. Yes. No, I would love to hear about that because I think like you were saying initially, like I I know as a woman, it's always more comfortable to talk about a period for some reason. Like, yeah. okay, we all talk about our periods, we have to buy all these things, we have to do all this stuff. Um, and like myself, I have endometriosis, so it's like I've always had to go an extra mile just to maintain things down there. But I think when you're just talking about your vagina in general, it is a little like, Ooh, you shouldn't be talking about that. Why are we talking about that? You know? And I think because of that, it's like a lot of, of, of course, like men don't care. They're not going to do anything for us or create products for us. So it really does require for us to destigmatize it yes. and actually face the facts and like create the things that we need in order to, get an actual solution for all of these different things that come up like you said like yeast infections utis all that like there's so many things that we deal with yeah consistently because it's like a part of our body that is constantly yeah. changing and you know it goes through a cycle and all of that stuff exactly. so i think it's so important to understand like how to resolve these issues and be comfortable asking for the solution or be comfortable talking about it so you can yeah. find the solution so I love that you did that. That's so admirable and so brave of you because like you said, most of us are embarrassed to even talk yeah. about it. And I remember like the first time I got a UTI, I was nervous because I, I thought that that's something that you get from having sex. But yeah. in reality, it's just something that can happen. And I, I had a bad issue with holding my pee a lot. So, yeah. yeah. And when I finally set, told my mom, she was like, oh yeah, your grandma, she gets those all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So this is a normal thing. And I like felt better about it, but I was like, it's just so crazy that you even have to like get the courage to even right. say something to somebody. Exactly. Yeah. So what you're doing is really, really amazing. And I think that um, I personally, when, when it comes to like the probiotics thing, that makes so much sense to me because I have um, fungal acne. And so that has always been what they said. Like, that's the only thing that can kind of bring you some relief is taking probiotics, right? And so I guess I've always wondered when it comes to taking probiotics, are there specific probiotics for specific things within your body or can they all, can all or most probiotics kind of help you overall like what you know like with your probiotic is it specifically yeah. formulated just for that area of the body or is it like something that could probably cause you know good effects in other areas so all probiotics are good for the gut like for your stomach health but not all probiotics are good for vaginal health or will actually benefit vaginal health and so that's what is a different about my product is that I specifically wanted strains in my product that would produce lactic acid to generate an acidic pH in the vagina. So that was really important for me. I really wanted to make sure that these strains have been actively cultured and seen in healthy vaginal cultures and that they exist and they produce either lactic acid or hydrogen peroxide and create an acidic environment to add that added layer of protection. Um, and then considering things like, so basically when we have a period every single month, I don't know if you've seen me talk about it on my TikTok, but for me, when I had my first UTI, I was on my period. And so, um, I later learned in my research that every single month when we have our periods, um, you know how our estrogen, it goes down right before our period. 
So what happens is when your estrogen drops, there's this thing called glycogen and glycogen drops and lactobacillus, that good bacteria uses glycogen as an energy source to stay alive. So naturally every month when we lose glycogen, we lose a little bit of lactobacillus. So we lose a little bit of the good bacteria in our vagina, which is why the vaginal pH can be off around the time of your period, making us susceptible to urinary and vaginal infections every single month. So I, yes, like what a revelation. And so this is why this is the same mechanism in why women who undergo menopause experience a ton of UTIs because their estrogen drops, they lose this glycogen and in turn lose this lactobacillus. And so nobody ever tells them that you need to re-administer with probiotics and so and bring that good bacteria back in. So for me, knowing all this and knowing that hormones play a role in it, I also wanted to include vitamin D3 in my product. So vitamin D3, as well as probiotics, have been shown in some literature to help regulate estrogen. So in turn, with the regulation of hormones, you can see some benefit with acne in terms of like hormonal acne. And then the probiotics can be linked to the overall balance in your gut of good bacteria to help with the fungal acne. So there's a lot of balancing issues um, or balancing things that can happen with the probiotics. Um, so fungal acne can definitely stem from a gut issue. And because probiotics are all designed for the gut that you can reap those benefits. And then you can also, if you are having hormonal acne, you may potentially see those benefits. Um, it's not proven in a lab, but we're getting close to like seeing more and more research and literature coming out on probiotics and the relationship between probiotics and vitamin D and seeing how they even help with vaginal dryness and women who are going through menopause. And like, that's a big issue that a lot of them experience. And now, you know, having the conjunction of probiotics and vitamin D benefiting in the, the, the vaginal dryness realm is very important. So yeah, it, it helps with other things. And that's everything that I was keeping in mind. I was keeping in mind what the imbalance of hormones causes in, in us. And I was keeping in mind, like the symptoms we experience as we go through menopause, when we're around our period and things like that. Like I really wanted this product to be for women designed by women, or I, I prefer to say like people with vaginas, because even through TikTok, I've blown up on TikTok and went viral talking about this. And I'm so thankful that I've had so many trans people reach out to me and say, you know, like I'm on so many hormone medications that I experienced so many UTIs and VV and yeast infections. Now, can I benefit from this? I know, you know, I'm not a cis woman. I'm like, absolutely. Like if you have a vagina, you will benefit from this. And you may experience this imbalance more than I do, even though I have a regular period and that's because of the hormone medication. And so I really wanted this to be something that's inclusive and for people with vaginas. And I'm sure even trans people may experience due to the imbalance of hormones, some acne and potentially this vitamin D with the probiotics can help regulate that to help balance that hormonal acne as well. This really sounds like a holy grail product. Like, <laughs> like I'm obsessed and now I want to buy 10 bottles. Um, Yay. <laughs> but, no, but I think that um, that's, I think that's like one of the biggest things as a woman. I, that's why even with wealthy women, that is like the whole mission statement. It's like, one, building your life on a solid foundation, but also understanding that you have to approach being wealthy from a holistic standpoint. Because as women, I've just noticed that everything that we do affects every other part of our lives and our bodies and everything. And so everything has to be in tune. And so like, as you're saying that, I'm like, okay, then if that is out of balance, you know, when it comes to like our vaginal health or whatever, our hormones, does that affect other things for us, like our mood or like, you know, like just all of that, like how we're feeling overall? Um, I mean, do, is, is, do you feel like there's a correlation there? Oh, for sure. I mean, we run on a 30 day cycle in comparison to let's say men, they yeah. run on a day to day cycle. So their hormones do the exact same thing every day. If you stretch their daily hormonal cycle along 
30 days, like that's what we're experiencing. So there's, you know, during our follicular phase, we feel one way during our luteal phase, we feel one way. And that's really because of our hormones. And I think there's just, there's such a lack in the study of our hormones and female reproductive health. Um, during my search, I realized that only 2.5% of publicly funded research goes into studying female reproductive health, which is absurd to me that only 2.5% of it goes into it when something like pre and post menopausal syndrome affects 90% of women. But there's like seven times more research that goes into studying something like erectile dysfunction, which only affects 17% of men. So there's so much funding that goes into studying erectile dysfunction, whereas, and I'm all for that should be studied, but there's a clear imbalance here where our reproductive health has always just been neglected. It's on the back burner at all times. It's not thought about. I mean, we look back in the days um, in the 18th century, women were saying, you know, like, hey, I feel like depressed or I feel tired or whatever. And they diagnosed that as female hysteria. So rather than understanding, you know, that an imbalance in hormones can affect the chemical makeup in your brain and can affect how you're feeling that day and give you the mood swings and things like that. It was just attributed to female hysteria. And the way that male doctors treated that was with putting leeches on the abdomen or forcing pelvic massages onto women. And so it just goes to show you how nobody really cared to understand our health and then took advantage of our health. And so at the end of the day, putting the business aside, like I'm a scientist and I want female reproductive health to be studied. There is a need for it. It hasn't been studied in depth before and it needs to be like it's 2023. And that is something that's like so important because our body is so complex, like it every. So yes, like your hormones play a huge role in how you're feeling. I mean, right before my period, I feel tired. I feel exhausted. And those things are normal, but we should start to understand why we need to understand what our body is doing. Why do we feel that way and not shove you know, products or shame in people's face. Like we should really try to understand that. And it's not something that you need to correct. You know, it's okay to have mood swings. It's part of our 30 day cycle. And so um, there's just a lack of understanding on our female reproductive health. And it's mm -hmm. unfortunate. And I'm glad that I could be a part of trying to push for that change. Wow. No, yeah. I I figured that it was probably really hard to get people or or not just people, but like get get the scientific community <laughs> to like yeah. give it yeah. energy. And I'm so when you were like building this company, did you have to get funding for it? Um or because I'm sure also too outside of that, I know you have to go through like all these different things to get your supplement approved and on the market yeah. and all that. Um, so I'm sure that even that was hard, but like, what was that process like? Yeah, I'm very thankful. So a lot of my pitching began um, while I was at Lehigh University. So I pitched the Baker Institute here at Lehigh um, is absolutely incredible. They're a part of their um, business school and they actually like really, cause I mean, like I said, I'm a scientist, so I didn't know the first thing to do with a business idea. I was like, I have this idea. I believe in this idea. I've been studying the vaginal microbiome in the lab. Like I was culturing bacteria. I understood the vaginal microbiome. I knew what I wanted, but I needed to transition it into a business. So I reached out to the Baker Institute and they really took me in and helped guide me. So that was really helpful. And then they started giving me, um, some some events like a list of events and there were multiple pitch events that were taking place on campus that i started at, i started pitching to the first one was called eureka which is hosted by the baker institute um that was i actually pitched a year ago today it was like maybe yesterday would have made a year but i just pitched my first eureka event a year ago and i was honored the university actually invited me back to the school this year to be a judge so i really was hoping that i could be inspirational to the students that a year ago i was in your shoes and now i have this business 
Um, but that first pitch was um, for $1,000. And then I was asked to go to the grand prize event, which took place in April of last year. And that's where I won $5,000. And from there, I pitched. So I've been receiving grant awards, essentially. I've been receiving grants and that's the money um, that I've been using to fund my business. Um, in October of this year, I pitched at the Startup Lehigh Valley event um, and I won $20,000. I won the grand prize with an additional 5,000. Thank you. So it was very much like I've been doing pitches to receive the grant money. And I will say, um, believe it or not, I've had such a wonderful experience that every single time that I've pitched everybody and maybe it's the passion in my voice about it that everybody was like no there's a need for this like yes you are making change this is powerful I have yet to encounter someone who's like this this doesn't mean anything I've I'm, I'm sure there's been people I mean not in like I don't want to say like irrelevant people, but people have made comments where it's like, like I've seen comments under my TikTok where it's like, well, maybe if you women just like washed yourselves, you wouldn't have this. Like I've encountered those kind of comments or I've encountered someone in person at my job, like my day job um, while I was in college, who was a man and said like, what you're doing is not impressive because as a man, it wouldn't benefit me. So therefore I don't find it impressive. <laughs> so, so like I've experienced that, but like those people I don't care about. What I care about is when I go up on stage and I'm pitching to people that matter, people who are, you know, granting me money and an audience who is there for business and there for entrepreneurship and there for em empowered in an empowered environment, like I've never experienced someone say like, mm, there's no need for this. Like everybody has been so incredibly supportive. Um, there was one gentleman who said, said it best. He was like, you know, if you don't tell as a man, if you don't tell every woman in your life about with Meraki Co probiotics, then you just don't care about female reproductive health. Like you need to be telling the women in your life about this. Um, I was fortunate enough to been invited to a um, technological based event in King of Prussia in Pennsylvania. And so when I went, um, I didn't know when I was invited that it was predominantly middle aged men that were in the room and um, they asked me to share my story. And I was like, wow, I'm going to talk about my UTIs and my vaginal health with a group of middle aged men. And I did. And by the end of it, I had a standing ovation, like from middle aged men. And I think that for me, just that's progression to me. I'm like, look where we're at. You know, a 23 year old just got in a room with 50 year old men. And I talked about my vaginal health and making change. And they just stood up and like clapped for me and told me what I'm doing is important. And so I already knew it was but to see even men get on board with it like that's what we need like we need people to support this cause and i was very happy that i i i was able to experience that and see that i know um a lot of women in the entrepreneur and business space and being also a woman in stem being a woman of color in stem a, a woman in business like there is, it's difficult. It, it is hard. Sometimes you're not taken serious, but to see that I'm really going in on this and I want to make change and have that support follow me is like really been so special. That's beautiful. And I think it, like, yeah, we're always going to have those people that are like, you know, that say something stupid or try to put you yeah. down or whatever. But like, for the most part, it sounds like you have had a pretty good support system throughout this whole process. So that is amazing. And that just tells how good you are at explaining the value of your product. Because I think a lot of people, they don't, I think, I mean, yes, they're just ignorant people all around, but yeah, <laughs> but, yeah but exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of times when people have a hard time getting people to really see the vision and like follow along with their dream or whatever it is that they need support in, I think a lot of times it's just because the communication of the value of whatever it is that they're trying to do is not communicated effectively. So I think that that just, I mean, and I can just tell that you're really good at, and you're passionate about it as well, but you're good at explaining, you know, what this is and what this does for people and the impact that it's going to make. 
And I, I love that. I think that that's a, a big skill that you need to have as a founder. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you, so, okay. On the, on the process of like, or in the process of developing this product, like, what what were the steps like i because i feel like product development is something that feels overwhelming for people especially when you're doing supplements that is like a whole other thing because you have to ingest those and it's like it's not just like a little topical something you know and i used to have a beauty brand so i know like product development can take a while but i can only imagine with a supplement what that process was like so what was the process Yeah, the first and biggest step was finding a or contract manufacturing with a manufacturer that um, was already FDA approved and had GMP certifications to produce dietary supplements. Like that was the biggest thing that would basically um, allow me to not not exactly like hop over the hurdle of the FDA approved, but if everything that they have in-house is already FDA approved, they're good standing practices, they have the certifications to be doing this, then then manufacturing my product and working with formulation specialists, talking to the scientists and all that would make my life a little easier because those regulations already exist. So in terms of the strains that they had in house and everything and the product itself, like all of those ingredients were already FDA approved. So when, when beginning the contract manufacturing relationship and talking about what I saw in the product and what I wanted, um, it was a pretty seamless process because they had a regulations team there to help me with everything. So even down to once the formula was decided on, um, we then started designing the label and they had a a whole regulations team that helped me design it. So they gave me a template and then I designed the template, gave it back to them and they just double checked everything on there that it wasn't, um, you know, like there weren't any claims that I couldn't say per the FDA and things like that. Um, So once the label design was good to go, um, we began with like talking about the minimum that I would need. Um, well, the talk, discussing the minimum order requirement was something that happened before I started designing the label, of course. Um, and that was, that was done through my funding, like through the funding that I've been gaining and the grants and stuff that allowed me. So Lehigh university actually over the summer, I was granted, um, because I was a new young entrepreneur. So they were starting this thing called boost ventures lab, where they were allowing young entrepreneurs who just graduated to be in this program, to, um, receive mentorship and funding and things like that. So I was granted $10,000, which allowed me to use that money for my first batch of inventory. So then I ended up placing my order. So really the biggest step in all this was finding a contract manufacturing lab, Um, I struggled in the beginning because I wanted my product to be, um, like vegan and a lot of manufacturing labs are like, oh, we, um, we technically make our products vegan, but we don't get them verified by the vegan association because it gets, it costs a lot of money and, you know, we don't want to pay that price. So technically your product's vegan. You just can't put it on the bottle. And I just felt like that wasn't inclusive. Like I, and while, even though the product itself is vegan, like I want someone who's vegan to browse my site and say, okay, this is vegan. Like it should be clear to them if it's vegan, because if it doesn't say it's vegan, their head is automatically going to go to, it's not vegan. And I don't want to leave it up to my customers to be confused and start researching the ingredients. Like it should just be straightforward. I'm like, no, I, I want it to be vegan. Like this is, I feel like it's 2023. It's if you can make it vegan, like we can get it verified. And I was willing to pay the extra cost, but it didn't matter to some of the labs. They're like, no, like we, we, this is our process. If you don't like it, find someone else type of thing. And so, yeah, I was like, all right, I will do just that. So I'm thankful enough that I found a different lab who has their, they're like, yeah, if you want your product to be vegan, it can get certified and whatever and our the ingredients that we put into it will be vegan or they're already the ingredients that they have in house were already verified to be vegan so i didn't have to like jump over i made sure that all the ingredients in the product were already vegan before we ended up um you know like going through with like making the product or like having a further conversation mm-hmm. i wanted to make sure that the ingredients they had were vegan and they did thankfully so okay 
that's good i'm glad that you got that sorted because that sounds stressful like going back and forth trying to like explain why that's necessary and stuff but yes unfortunately i know that process all too well um (laughs) so okay so when you came to the manufacturers did you come to them with your formulation already or like did they help formulate it how did that work yeah i had basically this large piece of paper of all the strains that I've studied, the things that I want, everything down to like cranberry extract and um, having vitamin D and all of that. Like I had this research and I was like, this is what I want in the product. These are the prebiotics I want in it. Like I've studied all of these prebiotics. They're effective in small doses. They reduce gas and bloating. Like this is what I want. So when I approached them and I showed them, um, I worked with the formulation specialist in terms of seeing what was in house. So one of the strains that I originally had in my concoction was, um, there were supply chain issues due to COVID, which we all know that issue. And so to outsource it, it was going to cost upwards of like $300,000 from like China. And that's obviously money I did not have. So I was like, okay. So, um, we kind of then went with what was in house so that, you know, I wasn't outsourcing from China. So my, my plan is to eventually, um, as I grow and as the supply chain issues, um, mitigate that I do want to include that strain eventually back into the product, just because it is a newer strain that's being studied that I think has incredible capabilities that I want to include. Um, but for now I thought like what we have is fine. What they had in-house aligned with everything that I wanted aside from that strain. So I was like, this works, this is fine. And so thankfully the formulation specialists were like incredible. I love them. They, I mean, I have such a good relationship with all of them. So it, the communication was very, very easy. There was, it was an open and honest conversation. You know, it's not like they started outsourcing strains and then billed me $300,000. It was definitely like, Hey, this is the issue we're experiencing. Let's talk about alternatives rather than like turning me away. Mm -hmm. So no okay that makes total sense but it still sounds like that even took a while like the timeline of that how long was that um i would say the timeline for that in specific five months it was like a five month process yeah so so prior that was with the the lab that the contract manufacturer that i like settled with um, well, settling is a horrible word. I love them. So I didn't, yeah, but the ones that I moved forward with um, prior to that, I spent nine months speaking to another lab who basically said that they could do it, that it was going to work. And then nine months later said, oh, sorry, it's not possible. And they kind of ghosted me. So that was like a terrible experience that I wasted like nine months. I was a junior at the time. So like basically my entire junior year of college, like I was talking to actively talking to this lab and then they just said, Oh, sorry, we can't do that. And then, you know, never answered me after that. And I was like, wow, I just wasted nine months. So then I spent like four months searching for other labs and contract manufacturers. And then I landed on the one that I'm with now. And then the process of getting it through was like five months. So this was like, over a year worth of like trying to get the vision, um, into reality. Um, so yeah. And then I got my product in August. Well, late July, I finally got, um, well, I had my sample sent to me beforehand and I started taking them and I was just like observing the size of the pill, observing, um, like making sure the bottle worked, the label and things like that. And then I ordered my first batch and that came to me late August. And then I launched on August 14th. Oh, it came late July. And then I August, I launched August 14th. So I launched my product on August 14th and yeah. So it, it, a long process, like it's definitely something that's easy. It's something that you have to, you have to be committed. There's, things aren't going to go as planned as I'm sure, you know, it's like, you're going to have so many hills that you have to climb and you might stumble and fall and things won't always work out how it does, how, how you want it to. Um, but I think in the end, everything will work out how it's supposed to. 
And sometimes not, I mean, I thought I was going to be with this other contract manufacturer for nine months and then it fell out. So like, I think the idea is to just push through, like things are going to work out how they're supposed to. No, I'm so glad that you explained that because I think a lot of people, I, so I used to coach um, women on how to like start their own beauty brands. And a lot of people would be so frustrated with the process of product development if they didn't want a private label. And I'm like, if you are going to make a product from scratch, that is just something that you're signing up for. But the reward of doing that is so great. You know, like if it turns out exactly like you want and you're able to make all the customizations that you want, it is worth it in the long run. And I think allowing yourself to go through that process is great because as you grow, like eventually you'd have to go through that process anyway. You know what I mean? As you release more products and all that. So like, I think that that just shows like, how committed you are to the vision that you stuck it out that long, you know, but yeah. Yeah. So for anyone that's listening, like, don't let that discourage you because it's so worth it. And it's like, if this is something that you plan to build and grow, you know, you're like, you plan to grow your business for years and years to come, like, don't allow this process to trip you up and like, make you not want to do it. Because I think this, what you're doing, especially you and this brand, like, I think that this is, huge like this is going to be massive so i'm i'm so excited for you and your journey on this thank you you're so welcome yeah okay so are right now you're currently selling online are you selling in stores yet or no no i sell directly to my consumers um on my website shop with um so i i just right now especially because i'm still in that small business phase um, once I start to scale up my production, I want to be able to lower the prices and then go into stores. I just, because I sell for $47 a bottle right now, which I, I think is a great price for the product itself. Um, I, I want to be able to go into, um, stores with a lower price. Cause I know stores are going to mark that price up to like $60 and, I don't want it to be in stores if it's not accessible for people and if people, you know, if it's too expensive. So that's something that's huge for me is growing and like actually pacing my growth so that I can go into stores because at the end of the day, like my customers are like the thing that matters to me. And I also, one of my biggest fears with going into stores is losing my story and losing the science and how important this is. I feel like when you go on my website, you, you get why you're there. You came from maybe TikTok or Instagram and you're there and you see my website, you see my story, you see like all of that. And that is so important for my product, you know, cause at the end of the day, like the, the stores are filled with all of these feminine hygiene products. And so many of them are so gimmicky. Um, I mean, we see things like Vagisil feminine washes and these washes um, have been clinically shown in labs to actually kill the good bacteria in the vagina. And so when it kills the good bacteria in the vagina, you're now left with these uncomfortable symptoms like an itching, a burning. And then what do you do? You go back to the store and you buy Vagisil anti-itch cream and you're just buying all of these Vagisil products and nothing's actually correcting the, bal- the, the issue, which is balancing your vaginal microbiome. And so I, it's like, I I feel like my product stands out on my website and it's like, you know, you grasp why you're there on my site. You understand my passion and my story. And I just, I get scared of losing that like in a store. Um, So that, that's really important for me because at the end of the day, like this isn't a cash grab. Like I, I could go out on the store shelves and put it there, but what matters to me is really educating women on their reproductive health and, maybe it's not with my product, right? Like maybe my product is out of budget, but then like, I still want to tag team it with the education. Like I want to inform you on why this is important. So you could keep this in the back of your mind. You don't have to buy it right now if you can. And I understand everybody's situation. However, I want this to be like, oh, wow. Like an aha moment where they're like, I didn't know that I lose good bacteria during my period. 
I didn't know that when I go through menopause, I lose good bacteria. I didn't know that using spermicides and lubricants and, and all of this throws off the vaginal microbiome, which in turn makes me susceptible. Or even like a lot of people don't know that the bacteria that causes BV, Gardnerella vaginalis, that lives in every single healthy vagina. It's there, it exists, but it's not able to grow and cause an active infection because you have good bacteria there to essentially protect you. And so when you lose good bacteria, that is the, the deficiency of lactobacillus. That's the diagnosis of BV because now the Gardnerella overtakes the vaginal microbiome and causes an active infection. And so that is like those things. It's like, I know this stuff because I'm a scientist, but the average person doesn't. So I want to be able to educate people on this. And I think that's aside from the product and believing in the product and believing that it restores and maintains the vaginal microbiome, like education is so important. I feel like that's the only way that we're going to make change and we're going to grow and understand the female reproductive health is by educating each other on it. And that's so important to me. And I love that people can go on my website and they're And as I'm growing, I want to add more educational pieces on it. I want to keep, I use my TikTok for that reason to do the education. I mean, we see the use of boric acid and people have questions about antibiotics and all of those things. And it's like, I know a lot about it, but I want to share the knowledge because that's important, even if they don't buy my product. Yeah. So that's why I having them come to my website. No, and I love that you're doing this and that you are so passionate about the education part because like for me, like when I use boric acid, it pretty much like, I don't even know if that's possible, but it, it felt like to me, like it was like burning my insides almost. <laughs> well, I did, I made an entire video because I understand the need of boric acid. In some cases, people fall, uh, resistant to metronidazole, which is the antibiotic that's prescribed for boric, uh, for BV. And so I totally understand those people who feel that antibiotic no longer works for them. That is the case because antibiotics are improperly prescribed in the United States. I mean, I've known people who say I was prescribed a dose of antibiotics every time I have sex. Like, no, what are we doing? That's not how you use antibiotics. Don't just like pop an antibiotic after you have sex. Like you, you are going to have antibiotic resistance. And the fact that doctors are just doing this just proves that they don't understand the vaginal microbiome at all, like in the slightest. And so I always like to educate people that boric acid is okay if you can't, because if you have an active treatment, whether it's a UTI yeast infection, BV, you're an active infection, you need to seek treatment, treatment in terms of an antifungal or an antibiotic. Um, cause my product isn't a treatment. Like it's not a replacement for an antibiotic. It doesn't kill the pathogenic bacteria. So you need to treat this infection. My product will restore then and maintain the vaginal microbiome so that you don't keep getting infections. Um, so boric acid is helpful in the sense that it will kill the bad bacteria, but it is so incredibly acidic that it literally wipes your vagina clean of any bacteria, including the good bacteria. And to express how acidic it is, I mean, boric acid is literally used by exterminators to kill roaches. Like it's so, and like nothing kills roaches. So they use boric acid to kill, it's a roach killer. So like boric acid is extremely acidic. And so it's meant, of course, to kill the bad bacteria and it's going to, but it's also going to kill the good bacteria. And so a lot of people who take boric acid fall dependent on boric acid because every single time now they're wiping their vagina clean of all the good bacteria, meaning that the Gardnerella is able to come in contact with their vagina and grow again. The fungus is able to come in contact with their vagina and grow again. The, the E. coli that causes UTIs is able to flourish because there's no good bacteria protecting you. And so constantly then you're like, wait, I start to feel, I start to smell something again. The BV is back. So what do you do? You start using boric acid again. And it's like, no one is telling you that Boric acid is fine to kill these infections, but what you need to do is use it for like five to seven days at night. And then once you finish your boric acid suppositories of five to seven days, then you need to start taking a probiotic because now that you're left with this clean empty slate, 
you need to reestablish the good bacteria back into your vagina. So now you have no, no more of the pathogenic bacteria. You bring the bacteria back in, it starts producing lactic acid, generates an acidic pH. So now you have this protective barrier that will support you and keep you healthy and infection free, essentially. And so boric acid is fine to an extent, but we lose that education. I mean, even the sellers who sell boric acid sell this like 30 day supply. And it's like, people think they, they just need to keep using it every day. And nowhere does it say re-administer with good bacteria after, like you have to bring the good bacteria back in. That's not something that anybody talks about. Yeah. And I and like I think, to push. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> No, it's okay. I was saying like when people ask me my thoughts on it, I'm like, it's okay if you use it correctly, you yeah. know, like that's the important part. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we have to remember too, because I've, I've seen so many doctors, you know, push it as a good option or whatever, but like, and I mean, mainly on social media, like doctors on social media. Um, but I think that it's so important to remember there's a difference between a biochemist, a scientist and a doctor, like, a doctor, they are trained on how to treat symptoms, right? And they do that with medical, you know, like medicine, like like things that are like not necessarily meant to like cure you. It is meant to treat the symptoms and suppress whatever's happening. And so whereas with you, it's like you actually have the knowledge <laughs> to sit here and formulate something that is actually going to, I know we can't say cure, quote unquote, but it, it kind of is, <laughs> you know, because you understand it on a way deeper level. They understand symptoms. You understand how the actual body works on a very deep level. And so I think that that's so important when we, whether we're just taking advice from them, getting treated, whatever, not the doctors aren't great. They, they do have their place and they're great. But I think if we're looking for long-term because a lot of their stuff is like very temporary the things that they recommend the things that they prescribe whatever but like if we're looking for long-term solutions i think that that makes more sense to listen to someone like you that has actually studied this in great detail um but yeah okay so that makes total sense and thank you for clarifying that because i think a lot of us are out here just burning our vaginas and not helping to bring in that good bacteria <laughs> afterwards <Yeah. laughs> No, I totally agree. And I think like, there really does have to be a balance between, I mean, even going into this nutraceutical space, it was like, I'm not against scientists, I'm a scientist. So I feel like we see one side where it's very much like pharmaceutical industry and scientists and just pushing antibiotics at you not understanding what's actually happening. And then there's also a side where it's like, the mistrust then makes people totally against the pharmaceutical world and the, the, the science or the, the doctors and stuff. And I love that I'm able to fall somewhere in the middle where it's like, there's a time and place for a pharmaceutical antibiotic. If you're having an active infection, like there's a time and place, but in using that, like we need to be prescribing it correctly. We need to be understanding what's happening and not just pushing products for money. And then on the contrary, then I know a lot of doctors are against the health and wellness space because some products in the health and wellness space can be gimmicky and can just be a crap a cash grab and because they have fillers, like you were saying. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We see some products that well, especially in the female reproductive area in that space, we see products that really take advantage of vulnerable situations like UTIs, BV, yeast infections, and make these claims and play up on gimmicks just to make money. And so I think it's really nice to fall somewhere in the middle to be that scientist, but then also acknowledge the power of what we have, probiotics and like be before science and before the health and wellness space, like being in the middle, like you can blend the two. I'm, I'm very, very positive. You can, and I, I think I'm like proving that with my brand. It's like, you can blend the two. You don't have to be one or the other. You can fall somewhere in the middle because science is important, you know, like to, to have science backing the results of the product, like is important as well. So that I think they go hand in hand and I'm happy that I can like be the person that's in the middle. No, yeah, I totally agree completely. Yeah, and I think that that, that is beautiful that you're able to blend both together. Um, okay, so really quick going back to how you were talking about the fact that you sell direct to consumer, you know, 
Um, so what have been some things that you've done that kind of help you build your customer base, you know, because of course, like you don't want to just like create this amazing product and not have anybody to buy it. So (laughs) what have you been doing to grow your customer base? Yeah. When I, um, built it or like had the brand and everything, and I was receiving the mentorship from Lehigh university, they, um, my mentors were like, Gianna, you really need to, the most powerful part of the brand is your story. You need to share your story. And they're like, why don't you just like make a TikTok video about it? And I'm like, no, 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 that's so cringy. I'm not, I'm not making a TikTok. And they were like, Gianna, do it. Like, come on, are you serious? So I like put some kind of collage video together and then I voiced it over, told my story. And I said, like, I have this brand I'm launching sometime this summer. And, you know, like you could join the wait list that's on my website to get an email notification of when I will be launching. And um, I posted that TikTok and it went viral. It got 2.1 million views. It's like the most viewed TikTok on my page. Um, and that was in June of last year. So I launched in August, but in June, I, w- I had this close relationship with my contract manufacturer that I knew that the product timeline-wise, the product would be launching in the summer. So I knew that's why I said like in the end, like my product's launching sometime in the summer, um, but you could join my wait list. And that video allowed me to get like 4,000 people on my wait list. And I was not expecting that. And I think the best part of having this wait list is on my website, I put like a box at the bottom where you, when you join the wait list, you can leave like a comment or share your story or something that would get emailed to me. And I, I get emotional every single time, but the way that from that TikTok that people were like, I trust you. I believe in you, like you, I'm proud of you. We need you. Like people saying those things to me, I cried for like three days straight reading every single one of those, knowing that like, like that's what keeps me going. Like, this is why I'm doing this. This is important. Like I'm doing this for a reason. And I think from there, then building that customer relationship and like giving a community, a space for people to feel seen and heard. And like, there were so many people that were like telling me in these messages, some very intimate, detailed parts of their life. And I was like, they saw one TikTok and they're trusting me with like these very intimate stories of their experiences with UTIs, BV and yeast infections. And I'm like, this is why I'm doing it. Like it's for you guys. Like this is, and the advice I was given is to not fall in love with your business, but to fall in love with your customers. And I think it's made it easier for me because I am my own customer that I kind of understand what I was looking for because I was there. I was that depressed girl going through the vaginal issues and taking a toll on my self-esteem, like having all these problems. And then like now seeing, I mean, I already knew how common UTIs, BV and yeast infections were, but to have that be in front of my face, reading all those comments under the video, like that pushed me to keep creating content and keep talking about this. And so I really wanted to start making, I started doing like educational videos and called them Meraki Mondays, all of that. And so I really marketing wise utilize TikTok. I mean, it's been so incredible for me. And even if I had, you know, I have 20, around 26,000 followers right now on TikTok. And even if it's a couple thousand views on that video, a couple thousand people learned something new today. And that's what's important to me. And I think every single day, every time I post a new video, I get a new customer. Now I have customers coming back because I'm really, I'm really on the TikTok, like 
trying to go in on the science on like, this isn't a once and done product. It's not something that you take one time. Cause remember every month you have your period and you're going to lose good bacteria. And there's other factors. Like if you have, if you take antibiotics for strep throat or something, you're going to lose good bacteria no matter what. And so you need to keep taking probiotics. This is like a vitamin essentially that you want to take every day to maintain a healthy vagina. And so making videos like that has really helped me grow my audience and I try my best like when I pack orders I write like handwritten thank you notes like with their names so that they know like I'm seeing who's ordering and I'm fulfilling your orders and I care about you and I'm thankful to have you here I do everything really in my power that I can to make sure that my customers like if they DM me and they have questions or they share their stories. I try to answer as many comments. I really think like, I don't want there to be this like power issue that like I'm the founder and CEO. Like I own this. Brand. I want people to know, like, I'm still a person. Like I was in your shoes. I've experienced this and I'm here for you. I care about you. I want, and in the brand with Meraki Ho, Meraki is a Greek word that means to do something with love, soul, and creativity. And so with Meraki Co with love, soul, and creativity. And so I want people to know that like, I care about them and I want to help them. And that means a lot to me. And I think that's helped me grow is really making sure that they know that they come first. Like my customers first, I want them to be happy. If they have questions educationally, if they have questions about the product, like I want to make it as informal as possible so that they know, like, I'm just a person and I want to help you. And I think that helped. And that's been conveyed through the TikToks that I've made, which has been very incredible. What a great experience for me. That's beautiful. And I cannot, I am so excited to see where Meraki goes and how, how big it becomes, because this needs to be like an everyday thing for women. Like it just needs, in everybody's cabinet, it needs to be there <laughs> because this is so huge. But everything like as you were talking um because like i said i used to like teach people how to start their own companies and build their brands and like everything you're saying is like literally essential to building a brand from the startup like the storytelling people do not understand how important that is and like yeah. it doesn't matter if you told your story once keep telling it like that's keep it. telling yes. it over and over because yeah. that's what builds that connection with you and your customer and that's what builds the community and it seems like you're building a really solid community of people that like, you know, are really um, comfortable to talk about and, and be vulnerable and talk about like what they're ex experiencing personally with their own vaginas and stuff. And so that's beautiful that you are, you're cultivating that type of um, community for your business. And I think a lot of people, that's the missing element that they have, you know? And so I hope you guys that are listening are taking notes and you're like, getting ideas for yourself because you could have the same exact um, result for yourself, you know, like 4,000 people. That's amazing. And I, I think a lot of people, I've been hearing this a lot lately and I think it's just because people don't understand TikTok, but a lot of people have been saying or questioning the effectiveness of TikTok and saying like, they don't know if it'll actually convert and stuff. To me, TikTok converts the best. Like, yeah. and I think a lot of times yeah. when they think of conversion, I think what they're expecting is for people to find them on TikTok and then convert into a follower on Instagram. And that is not yeah. the conversion you should be concerned with on TikTok. Right. You need to be concerned with growing your email list, getting sales, building a community. Yes. Like that's what you need to do because TikTok is just its own place. <laughs> it's like, it's so powerful yeah. when you understand how to utilize it and connect with people on there. So I think what you're doing is amazing. And that's how I found you. And I saw you talking about your story and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Aww, thank you. Yeah, I was like really intrigued and I learned a lot from looking at your content. And so I was like, yeah, I have to have you on the show because this is something I know it like this podcast is more so a lot of times around like career and finance and all that stuff. But like, I, like I said, being a wealthy woman, you need to take it from a holistic standpoint and our wellness and our health is a big part of that. And so I really hope that like this helps somebody that's listening today and, you know, because I'm sure most of us are not having these conversations about our vagina and our vaginal health and all that, but hopefully this was a safe space for somebody today listening to this and they're able to get the information that they needed that can like, you know, put the missing puzzle piece 
into figuring out how to solve whatever's going on down there. And then hopefully you check out her brand and buy some of her supplements because they sound amazing. I'm going to be getting some because I definitely want to try them. Yes. Um, But yeah. Okay. So to wrap things up, what does it mean to you to be a wealthy woman? Um, so I'm sure we could probably have grasped through this podcast that, you know, wealth doesn't always come with like money, right? Like everyone thinks you're wealthy, you have millions and millions of dollars. And I'm sure when you start a business, you know, that's the goal. You want to be profitable and have a big company with millions of money. But I'm sure there's a lot of times where we see people with millions of dollars and they're still not happy. And for me, success and wealth and things like that can look different for everyone. So for me, wealth is really being impactful, like seeing the impact that I'm making um, for as long as I can remember as a kid. I always said, like someone asked me, what do you want to do? And remember how I said in the beginning of the podcast, I didn't know what I wanted to do. The one thing that I was always certain about is that I wanted to help people. I didn't know how, I didn't know why. I just, it was an intuitive thing that for me, I wanted to help people. And as I started getting older and I did when in the beginning, freshman year, I started going through bioengineering. Like I thought that looked like working for a big pharma and like engineering some kind of like vaccine or being a part of cancer research. Like I was very much in the like pharmaceutical world because I was studying biomedical engineering that like, I just, I didn't know what helping people looked like. I just knew that I was going to impact someone's life. And so for me, wealth is being able in my business to reach as many people as possible and helping as many people with vaginas as possible that's what's important. Like getting the reviews back and people telling me you changed my life. Like I started taking your products and I've never had another uh, uh, UTI again, BV, whatever you've changed my life. Like that's wealth to me. Cause that's my happiness is being able to fulfill the little Gianna's dream of helping people. I <laughs> mean, get emotional. <laughs> but like, that's important to me because that's what I've always wanted to do. And like, I remember like writing in my, in my diary that I could like feel it in my core that like I was meant to do something special and I was meant to help people. It's really the only thing that I could put my finger on growing up that I wanted to do is help people, help people. And for a while I thought that was just being a doctor. And so that's wealth to me is being able to make that impact and change people's lives. Even if it's as small as helping them with their vaginal health, like that's, to, to, to someone else, it might be small, but to me, it's huge because I went through it and I know what it feels like. And I feel like it unites all of us with vaginas. We, we get it. And I want to be that person. And so that's wealth for me. And I think that's something that anyone who is looking to go into the entrepreneur space, that's something that you should really sit back and think about, like, what do you want to gain from this experience? And I think that will help your journey a ton. And so that's what wealth means to me. Uh, that is amazing. I, you are truly living out your purpose, clearly. And you are impacting <laughs> people's lives in, in such a great way. Like you are literally helping improve someone's quality of life when they take your supplement. So that's beautiful. And I'm just honored to be able to even have this conversation with you and be some little part of your journey. <laughs> So if someone's listening to this and they want to support you, follow along on your journey, follow you, connect with you, how can they do that? Yeah, my website for my product is www.shopwithmerakiko.com. And uh, you can find me on TikTok. It's at Gianna, G-I-A-N-A-J-M-J. So that's um, my TikTok. And my the, the link to the website is in my bio. Um, and then my Instagram is just at with Meraki co Mm -hmm. and my personal Instagram is just Gianna with four A's at the end. Jay, if you want to follow my personal has my business page linked to it there, everything's kind of all intertwined. So, um, but I think the TikTok will connect you to everything else. So that's just at Gianna MJ. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show, girl. And everything that she just mentioned is going to be in the description of the show. So you can easily find it. 
um let her know that we sent you go follow her go show her some love and we were just so blessed to have you on the show today thank you for all of the wisdom (laughs) thank you so much for having me i'm i'm honored to have been on the show so thank you of course